I feel like a lot of people only think about third world countries mm-hmm. or Southeast Asia. And even, you know, when we think about trafficking in the United States, a lot of times we'll think about poor areas yeah. or, you know, urban places, mm-hmm. cities, large cities. And Yes, it does happen in all of those locations, but it also happens in upper middle class white neighborhoods. Awareness is the first step in fighting human trafficking. Since 2007, over 56,000 cases of human trafficking in the U.S. alone have been reported to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which receives an average of 150 calls per day. For season two, we want to help educate ourselves and you, the listener, on human trafficking. From the mental trauma caused from trafficking to the porn crisis only increasing the demand, we want you to become empowered with this knowledge to better serve your family, friends, and community to hopefully bring an end to human trafficking. Our goal remains the same, to live in a world where slavery is eradicated and justice prevails. I'm Natalie Bassey, and you're listening to The Compelled Podcast. To kick off season two, we thought it would be an excellent idea to bring back Emily Warsham. Now, if you remember on episode one in season one, we also interviewed Emily Warsham. But for this episode, we will really be diving into the myths and misconceptions surrounding human trafficking, particularly in the United States. Emily provided some insightful information as to why there are these myths and misconceptions surrounding human trafficking in the States. I hope that you learned something new in this conversation. Emily, this is our second season. Season two. It's kind of crazy (laughs) to think about. It is. But it's exciting because season two, we're really going to be talking about knowledge in Mm -hmm. regard, like understanding certain things about human trafficking. And there's a lot of exciting guests that we have in the next couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. I think season two is going to be really great. Yeah. This episode, we're really going to be diving into the myths and misconceptions about human trafficking. So just for the sake of clarity, again, Mm -hmm. somebody's listening in for the first time can you define human trafficking for our listeners? Yeah, so human trafficking is modern-day slavery that involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some form of commercial labor or sex act. And under U.S. federal law, anyone under the age of 18 Mm -hmm. would be considered a victim of sex trafficking, whether or not they're trafficker use force, fraud, or coercion. It's important to know that going forward in our conversation so Mm -hmm. that people have a better framework of what human trafficking is. Yes. Because I think sometimes people have some idea of it, but they Mm -hmm. don't, like definitions are so important, especially in a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. I want to start off by talking about this article um, that came out of Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. You shared it with me not too long ago, and you you know what I'm about to talk about. Basically, there was a human trafficking ring in mm-hmm. Northern Virginia, and yep. they were basically going in and getting these girls from school mm-hmm. and trafficking them. Yep. And there was one line from the article that I want to point out that I thought was really profound. Mm-hmm. They said, in quote, not dressed in miniskirts and fishnets, unquote. Yeah, so they were referring to the victims, the girls mm-hmm. who were being prostituted and sold for sex. And, you know, they said that these girls weren't dressed in, you know, what a lot of people would consider prostitute mm-hmm. clothing. You're they right. It said in the article that they were dressed like schoolgirls. And, and these I, were private weren't Wasn't this a private school or was this a public um, school? Do we know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that this was in a, an affluent, yeah. you know, upper middle mm-hmm. class exactly. neighborhood and area. Yeah, and there was another another fascinating point made in the article um, that 
these traffickers would you would be very charming and they would mm-hmm. use flattery to lure their victims in. Yeah. Um, and they said eventually some of these girls would just end up serving countless men and doing drugs to numb their pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also wanted to say that the flattery turned into violence and many of these girls were too frightened to leave. Mm-hmm. And these were underage girls yep. too. Mm-hmm. Very important to know. So my question with all of this is how common is it for human trafficking to happen in these well, um, you know, wealthy areas almost? Yeah. Honestly, I think it's way more common than we think. A Mm -hmm. lot of times, uh, or I think a lot of times when we think about human trafficking and sex trafficking specifically, I feel like a lot of people only think about, you know, third world countries Mm -hmm. or um, Southeast Asia and even, you know, when we think about trafficking in the United States, a lot of times we'll think about poor areas yeah. or, you know, urban places, mm-hmm. cities, large cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it does happen in all of those locations, but it also happens in upper middle class white neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, yeah in wealthy areas Mm -hmm. um, and also in rural areas Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Um, Human trafficking is not bound by geographical location, Mm -hmm. is not bound by race, socioeconomic status. Human trafficking does not discriminate. I think that's crazy to think that, not even crazy to think that, but I think so many of us, when we think of human trafficking and when we say it happens here in the United States, I think many of us think, oh, it happens in these poor parts of my community or Mm -hmm. these low income areas of my community. But no, it's happening in every single area of your community almost. Yeah. Human traffickers prey on vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, a huge vulnerability is poverty. Okay, so let's talk more details. How is human trafficking, how does that play out differently than how it plays Mm -hmm. out in uh, Uganda or Thailand or in India? How does it play out in a Virginia or a West Virginia? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, um, I think in America, human trafficking is definitely way more hidden than it is in Thailand in India where, you know, you can go to Bangkok, you can go to Pattaya, Thailand and step out of your vehicle and see mm-hmm. red light districts right there in front of you with mm-hmm. girls selling themselves mm-hmm. or in India with brothels operating freely. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, it's not like that. It's way more hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we just talked about, uh, students recruiting other students, gang members recruiting these underage um, girls to sell themselves after school and, you know, go home and live a normal life after just being pimped out. Yeah. Also, it's a lot of familial trafficking here in the United States. Okay. Um, And so what I mean by that is families selling their children or other family member for money, for drugs, Hmm. um, you know, for other things like that. Unfortunately, it's really hard to tell how much trafficking is happening here in the United States. Probably because it's so hidden. The International Labor Organization estimates that there's about 2 million traffic victims in the Americas, so both South and North America. Right. But still, 2 million? I mean, there's probably numbers that it's haven't probably, even been... Right. It's probably included. way higher than that. Yeah, yeah um, totally. But specifically here in Central Virginia, there's a couple stories, semi-recent stories, actually. The, the first one being there's a local gang here that uses underage members to recruit 
recruit other minor victims for the purpose of being pimped out and being prostituted. And so these minor girls and boys will, you know, be sold after school and then go home afterwards and live a normal life. And, you know, their parents are probably totally unaware of what's happening. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's actually here in Lynchburg in Central Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also another story that happened a couple years ago. A trafficker met a woman from West Virginia Mm -hmm. at this hotel in Roanoke, so about an hour from Lynchburg. Mm -hmm. This victim was coming off of heroin, and so the trafficker used that addiction to control her. Mm -hmm. And he trafficked her all throughout Roanoke, Lynchburg, Albemarle County. And this victim would see up to 20 men per day. So yeah, like it it happens here in Central Virginia. Mm -hmm. Like we could go on Craigslist right now and find dozens of ads of girls here in Lynchburg. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, wherever you are listening right now, Mm -hmm. you could do the same. Mm -hmm. So yeah, trafficking Although it looks different than it does in Southeast Asia and Uganda, Africa, Europe, it doesn't mean that it's not happening here in America. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. Emily, if we're talking, I want to I want to transition back quickly to that article I talked about at the beginning about yeah. the girls in Nova and how they were from a wealthy area, mm-hmm. from a wealthy family. If a victim of human trafficking can come from a high mm-hmm. income area, mm-hmm. can a trafficker also be somebody oh, who's sure. wealthy and, sure. and yep. unfortunately I don't have any statistics of like this is what a trafficker looks like mm-hmm. but I think that's the thing that I want to to nail home right now is that the media has portrayed traffickers as being a certain type of individual yeah. and I think most of us are probably thinking of what that individual looks like right now in our heads mm-hmm. and that is not it Yeah. yes traffickers may sometimes look like that individual that you are picturing in your head right now Mm -hmm. but traffickers are also white men they're Mm -hmm. white women they come from high class areas Mm -hmm. upper middle class Mm -hmm. wealthy areas and the traffickers use that to their advantage, oh, yeah. um, which I know we'll probably talk about this later mm-hmm, on, definitely. but they are smart and they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Emily, you made a comment. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but you made this brief little point that Hollywood and media yep. also make mm-hmm. human trafficking appear to be something that it's not. Mm -hmm. Quickly, um, Fight the New Drug just had this article come out in regard to this new Netflix film. I think it's called 365 Days. Mm -hmm. Basically, the Netflix series description is, quote, a woman falls victim to a dominant mafia boss who imprisons her and gives her one year to fall in love with him, unquote. But as you read the article from Fight the New Drug, they say this film is more than problematic. They talk about how there is abuse within this film. Mm -hmm. There is Um, grooming that a lot of traffickers use to Mm -hmm. lure their victims in. My point being, this film portrays it to be attractive and not harmful. So we see that end of the spectrum, but then we'll see films like Taken, Mm -hmm. which show human trafficking against being a third world country, which is true, Mm -hmm. but it neglects the idea that it does happen here in America too. So uh, it's kind of all over the place. Am I making any sense with any of that? Yeah, well, I think the thing with Taken, it was actually um, in Europe that they were taken, Mm -hmm. so not a third world country. Mm -hmm. But I think the big thing with that, with the movie Taken, that, you know, people 
got wrapped up in is that trafficking is like stranger danger. You know, it's someone that's going to snatch you off the side of the road Mm -hmm. or approach you in the Target parking lot Mm -hmm. and like shove you in a van. And yes, sure, trafficking like that probably happens, but it's way less common than a boyfriend, a spouse, a partner, or even a family member, someone that you know and think that you can trust trafficking you. Like, that is the majority of trafficking happening here in America. Um, Polaris Project website um, showed in 2018 that the majority of known traffickers here in the United States were boyfriends, spouses, and family members. Those were the top two trafficker types here in America. I don't, I don't know if you can answer this, but why? Yeah, there's a few different things. First, traffickers want the victim to trust them mm. because if the victim trusts them, they're more likely to stay. They're way less likely to run away, to, you know, seek help, yeah. um, and to even consider themselves as a victim. Oh, for sure. Um, So I think that's one huge reason. Another reason that, you know, this might be really um, cynical and dark, but it's true, Um, but it's that if a trafficker were to just snatch you off the side of the road, your mom, your dad would immediately, like, as soon as they knew that you were missing, they would call 911. Mm -hmm. They would put out an Amber Alert. Everyone's phones would go off that Mm -hmm. Natalie is missing. But when a young girl, maybe not even super young, when a 16, 17, 18-year-old girl runs off with her boyfriend who, you know, she's told her family about, who she thinks she can trust. Her family probably isn't going to call 911 mm-hmm. and there probably isn't going to be a search party mm-hmm. for this girl. Yeah. Because everyone thinks that it's just a boyfriend, mm-hmm. that Susie is just making poor life choices and mm-hmm. she'll, you know, learn the hard way that mm-hmm. you, whatever. Yeah. I get it. I get it. So I think that I think there is always this myth mm-hmm. that victims don't know they're traffickers. Yep. And that plays again into this narrative that so many of us have of, oh, like somebody's just going to snatch you like yep. in the Target parking lot and mm-hmm. put you in a van. Mm-hmm. And maybe that could happen. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it is more common for victims to know they're traffickers. Yes. Way more common. Which I wonder if that's even more gut wrenching. Yeah. To know that like this is somebody that I knew I yeah. had a relationship with mm-hmm. that I that I trusted and, and they're putting me in this environment. I think too, you know, that's just like the relational aspect mm-hmm. um, that I think a lot of traffickers like to use with their victims in, in regard to boyfriends or girlfriends yeah. or even parents. You yeah. know, I know that in West Virginia, we talked about this, that yeah. in West Virginia, parents mm-hmm. will literally sell their children. Yeah. Yeah. In season one, episode one, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about our partner organization, Sarah House. Mm-hmm. And so one of the largest problems that they're seeing um, in McDowell County, West Virginia, is family members supporting their drug habits through mm-hmm. selling their their children, their cousin, their nieces. That's just so much to wrap your head around. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, I, and I think that like, it's, it's so much easier for us to accept that it's a stranger because yeah. it's someone that we don't know. And you don't and, have to put a face with it. Right. We don't mm-hmm. have to put a face to it. If we don't share the same last name, then we can't really like accept some responsibility for mm-hmm. that person's bad behavior. But like once that person, like an uncle, yeah. you know, yeah. who, is from the same bloodline as me. Like, that's just a whole other layer of 
responsibility of guilt of like that was my family member Mm -hmm. you know of like majorly broken trust yeah we're taught to be able to trust our family to trust those that we think love us Mm -hmm. and yeah to just have that ultimate betrayal Mm -hmm. is really really hard for a lot of people to accept Mm -hmm. something that I notice when you're speaking about this is that you're not you're not just saying he or boyfriend yep. or mm-hmm. husband or man. You're using girlfriend, woman, yep. she, mm-hmm. her. I, I think you know that traffickers can be mm-hmm. male or female yep. and victims can be male yes. or female. Yep. And I think that kind of like slaps the myth in the face that yep. victims can only be female. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have way more statistics of female victims than male. However, I think that is the case because females are more likely to be identified as a victim mm-hmm. than a male is. Um, Again, back to how you mentioned before, there's that statistic that says in the in North America and South America only two million or two, two million yeah. and again you said that there is probably way more numbers that mm-hmm. we're just not yeah mm-hmm. adding it to the mix would that be the same yeah. for these victims for sure okay. yeah but yeah like when we travel to Thailand I have seen more and more frequently um, I've been three years in a row now and so each year that I go I see more and more women in these bars in these red light districts of Thailand buying the Thai women there. And so women are the purchasers. Women can be the sellers. They can also be the victims, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times we just blame the men. Mm -hmm. Like human trafficking is not just a man's problem. Mm -hmm. It is a woman's problem as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just their fault. It's a a human race problem. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about how can people be more mindful of looking out for victims within Mm -hmm. their communities, schools, businesses, if, if they have a sense that, hey, I think human trafficking may be occurring in my environment. Mm -hmm. What are some signs? What are some red flags to look for? So before I go into, you know, all the signs and things Mm -hmm. that you should look out for, I first want to throw out there that Freedom 424 has several occupation specific presentations with different um, red flags and things that those individuals in that occupation should look out for. For example, um, what should a lawyer look out for? What should a banker look out for? Mm -hmm. That is part of our mission is awareness and education. So if you're listening right now and you're like, wow, I really want the people in my business and my organization to know what to do, please send us an email, call us. We'll put our contact information in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but please reach out and, you know, even if you don't live in Lynchburg, we can figure out a virtual presentation. We would love to pass that information on to you. But back to the question. <laughs> um, so there's several things things that you can look out for and I'm just going to list some of the top ones um, and I'll put a link to um, a more in-depth overview in the show notes but um, take notice of their first impression okay. so is their speech controlled or scripted what, what do you what would that look like what does that mean yeah so like when you're trying to have a conversation with them or asking them questions it does it does it feel to you like this person is reading off of a script mm-hmm. even though they're talking to you? Are there any inconsistencies with what they're telling you? Is their form of dress inappropriate for wherever you are and whatever you're doing? Are young girls or young boys accompanied by an older controlling person? Also, you know, if you chat about where they work, do they work excessively 
long hours with no breaks, high security measures at work? Do they live yeah. at their workplace? And that would be more of the labor trafficking. No, nope, not necessarily. It, it can be yep. sex trafficking mm-hmm. too. Yep. Wow. Do they have poor mental health or mm-hmm. abnormal behavior? So um, anxious, fearful, depressed, submissive. Hmm. Um, is there any substance abuse or addiction behaviors or patterns there? Um, and then in children, whether you're their parent or their guardian, is there a sudden shift in behavior? Are they cruel to pets or other people? Recurring nightmares to serve sleep patterns, sexual acting out, and also fear of a certain person, which I think is really key, especially you know if the trafficking situation is with a family member and you bring your child to you know granny and grandparents family get together Mm -hmm. are they afraid of Hmm. that uncle or aunt that's very Um, insightful for I think family members to be aware of yeah which you know I mean kids I was a shy child growing up and so I was not trafficked of course of Um, course of course but you know as a parent you'll know when there's that sudden shift of like yeah, Joey didn't used to be afraid of that person, and now they are. Let me take a look into it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying call the police right away. Yeah, of course not. But, yeah, take a further look into mm-hmm. what's going on there. Social media, of course, is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. and I think that as the years just go on, younger and younger are entering that world of yeah. social media. I yeah. mean, I didn't get a Facebook until I was like in middle, like, no, high school. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like middle schoolers are yeah. like now on Instagram and yeah. like fifth graders are now on Instagram. Can we talk about how the dangers that could yeah. probably play into social media yep. and young people, but not even just young people. I mean, even even 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I read somewhere where like the app average age of a child getting a cell phone now is like eight or mm. something like that. I don't even think like mm. yeah. <laughs> cell phones didn't really even exist when I was eight. Right. <laughs> but so yeah, like kids have access, even if they don't have a cell phone, they have access to an iPad or, or a computer. Or has a cell phone. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're listening and you're like, yeah, my child doesn't have those social media accounts, double check that because yeah. they might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Traffickers are using those um, social media platforms to connect with your child, to build a relationship with them, to eventually like meet them in person and potentially traffic them or take advantage of them and exploit them. And it happens on pretty much all social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Kik, um, Snapchat, Snapchat mm-hmm. for sure. Twitter, those are all in the old school. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, even like, um, so I use a selling app called Poshmark Mm -hmm. to like sell clothes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we know of situations where people have tried to connect with minors or, you know, older individuals on Poshmark Mm. for exploit. Isn't that so disturbing? Yeah. Just to think that a trafficker is pretty much willing to go to the extent to go. Oh, yeah. To do anything to get their victim, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying to think about. Yeah, and, you know, that kind of brings up a good point. Like, I don't want people listening to this to be like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) this is so scary. I've got to, like, be on high alert and, you know, can't let my child do anything. I mean, yes, please be on alert. Um, Know what your children are doing. Know who they're seeing, what social media apps they're on. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we can't let fear 
control us. So yes, it, it is scary to think about, but at the same time, it's almost empowering when you yeah. hear where you when you know the information. Yes. You know, knowledge is power. Yeah. So when you know about these things, you're gonna be more aware of them. And yeah. you're gonna be able to look out for them. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting this conversation make you incredibly fearful and anxious, let it empower you to make changes in your life, to look out for other people when you go out into public. Mm-hmm. I think it's good because it also encourages us to have conversations in our families, mm-hmm. in our schools, in our communities, and yeah. in, our, in our workplaces, yep. which I think is, is the whole point of learning all these things is mm-hmm. to have conversations so that we are aware mm-hmm. and we're not just naive yeah. to it. Yeah. And when we know some red flags to be on the lookout for um, within our communities. So let's say somebody does have this interaction where mm-hmm. they think they are talking to a victim of human trafficking. What are some steps that they can take to yeah. um, bring justice for the victim? Yeah, so the first is um, if you are in or are experiencing an emergent situation, mm-hmm. please call 911. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see, if you're at a gas station and you see a girl getting shoved into a tr- trunk, mm-hmm. please call 911. Mm-hmm. If you're in a situation and it's not necessarily um, an emergency, you can call your local non-emergency number for your police department or sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. You can easily Google that and it'll come up. There's also a human trafficking hotline through the Polaris Project. You can call their number. It's 1-888-373-7888. Or you can text HELP to Mm 233-733. And then find Finally, you can call the Department of Homeland Security. Their hotline is 1-866-DHS-2-ICE. Emily, we've been talking a lot about misconceptions, myths, mm-hmm. um, just trying to get more um, information and knowledge on what human trafficking looks like here in the States in particular. So my question to you is what compels you to bring light to all these um, misconceptions that so many of us have? I think what compelled me to to shed light to these misconceptions and these myths is simply that there's still myths and misconceptions. Like a lot of people still don't know what human trafficking looks like here in America. Yeah, I think that there's just a lot of a lot of misunderstanding there with what trafficking actually looks like here and what it's not. And so that in itself compels me to to talk about these things, to make people aware so that, you know, we can know what it actually looks like and therefore end it. This fall, Freedom 424 will be hosting their seventh annual Freedom Gala. The Freedom Gala is designed to further awaken and unify the community's resolve to bring an end to sexual exploitation and trafficking. Join us for one of three nights and enjoy an exclusive dining experience as we seek to understand the challenges our youth faces today and how we could prevent further exploitation in Central Virginia. There are three nights to choose from, Thursday, October 1st, Friday, October 2nd, Saturday, October 3rd. Each nightly event begins at 6.30 p.m., hosted at the Southern Provisions Company in Lynchburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit freedom424.org slash freedom dash gala. Here, there will be a link for you to buy your tickets. And if you aren't able to attend in person, we are hosting this gala online as well. You can have a gala viewing party at the comfort of your own home. You can invite friends, family. We look forward to seeing you at the gala.
If you are interested in joining us in the fight to end human trafficking, please visit our website at freedom424.org. We have many ways to get involved, such as becoming a Freedom 424 ally. Your donation of $24 or more a month helps women with medical expenses, food, and education. So consider becoming an ally today to help these exploited women. And as always, we are active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freedom 424. And while you're at it, be sure to review and subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening. And once again, thank you for listening.